0: Hello, this is episode eight of season two. Now, this episode is about secondary bedrooms in your home. So the main bedroom is your master bedroom or bedroom number one, and secondary bedrooms will be all the other bedrooms in your home, either for the rest of your family uh, or for guests. I see lots go wrong when homeowners are planning these bedrooms. So let's dive in now to what you need to know. So join me now. Now, in this episode, I'll be talking about bedrooms, every bedroom in our home that is not the master bedroom. And as I said, these are known as secondary bedrooms. So these can be kids' bedrooms and guest bedrooms. However, in the years that I've worked with homeowners, there are also questions and decisions around other types of bedrooms as well. So I'll be talking more about this as we go. Now, I'll start with some terminology so that you can understand all the various types of bedrooms that you may need to think about. And of course, I'll be sharing the four F's and how to use them to get it right in these bedrooms. And I'll be identifying key mistakes and big design tips to help you design great bedroom spaces. You'll find too that this podcast episode will pose a lot of questions to you because when it comes to family homes, some choices are really personal and about how you need to live in your home. And these choices will be about who lives in your home now and who might be living in your home in the future. So I'll take you through what to consider when determining how to include these different types of bedrooms in your home. So let's start by asking some of these questions because thinking about these is what will get you going and it will also help you determine the types of bedrooms you need. So as I said earlier, secondary bedrooms is the terminology that I use to refer to any bedrooms that aren't the main bedroom. Now, these can include nurseries for infant babies and for toddlers, kids' bedrooms for kids as they grow into their teenage years and beyond, guest accommodation for friends and relatives that may come to stay, bedrooms for elderly family members who may move in at some point, either temporarily or permanently. And bedrooms for any other people that you may have live in your home, such as a nanny or an au pair. Now, one of the first questions that I ask clients is, who is in your family right now? And how might that change in years to come? Because frankly, quite a few things can change in the 5, 10, 15 or more years that we live in a family home. We can have more kids. Our kids can grow in age. And so the needs for their bedrooms change. We can have a parent pass away and the other need to move in for a while or permanently. We can have an overseas au pair come and stay for a while or longer to help out with family life or a nanny as well could move in. And I know lots of families who don't live near where they grew up or they've spent time overseas and then they've moved back to Australia. And so they'll have a revolving door of friends and family who come and stay, sometimes for weeks at a time. Now all of these things can put pressure on our decision making now as we're trying to anticipate all these needs and how much space and rooms we should actually provide in our new or renovated home. And it can feel like you're creating lots of just-in-case space that costs money to include but perhaps isn't the best choice for your budget or for your home. So I'm going to break these secondary bedrooms into three main groups. The first group is nurseries The second is kids' rooms generally when they've moved into a full-size bed. And the third group is guest bedrooms for extra family members or friends, either permanently or casually. Now we're going to dive into the four Fs and I'm then going to take you through these different types of secondary bedrooms one by one to reveal the mistakes and design tips and the four Fs to think about with each of them as we go. Okay. But remember, we first start with feel. Now, maybe the main feeling that you want for these rooms is one of sleepiness. (laughs) I know that speedy bedtimes for little and big people in our homes, it, it just can be awesome for sanity in family life. But you may have other feelings that you're chasing for these secondary bedrooms, particularly if you're creating guest accommodation. So remember to write those feelings down. I'll mention generally too that the orientation that's best for bedrooms is either south or east. So south-facing, if you're in the southern hemisphere, will mean constant low glare and indirect sunlight. And east-facing is great if you like the light of the rising sun in a bedroom. Any other orientation that you're putting these bedrooms on, just be sure to handle the heat loads of direct sunlight. Secondary bedrooms aren't usually huge and they often only have windows in one wall. And both of these things, their size and their window arrangement, they can make natural cross ventilation challenging to achieve. So limit how much warmer sunlight can enter a small bedroom and this will help you maintain its comfort levels overall. Now let's go through each of the secondary bedroom types one by one and as I said I'll talk about the four F's and then I'll cover mistakes and design tips. So first up is nurseries for infant, babies and for toddlers. So functionality, let's think about how a nursery needs to perform and what needs to go into a nursery. So a nursery will need a cot, Uh, or a toddler bed. It will also need a change table or at least something that you can lie bub down on to change a nappy or 300. (laughs) It It will need somewhere to sit and comfortably feed your bub or your toddler as well as sit and read a story to them perhaps whilst they sit on your lap and you'll possibly need some storage for clothing and toys and books and other items. Now, flexibility is next. So flexibility with nurseries is super important because little ones don't stay little for long. And the beauty of this is that you actually often don't even need to create a dedicated bedroom for a nursery at all. Look, trust me, as someone who has renovated and built whilst having babies and toddlers in our house, they will seriously sleep anywhere. And they can share rooms as well, either with you or with their siblings, And whilst they're little, they actually don't need a lot of stuff and they're not needing a lot of autonomy, if any of it, if any, to access any of their things. So arranging things in a nursery for a baby or for a toddler is actually more about what is convenient for you. Now let's have a look at furnishability and this is really about understanding the size of things that need to go into this room and how to arrange them. And the main thing I recommend with nurseries is remembering that most of the time it's best if everything is within your arm's reach because generally particularly if on a change table you're holding a toddler or a baby down with one hand while you're needing to reach everything else with the other. So Another thing to remember as well is that little kids rooms also need the ability to be darkened during the day for daytime sleeps. So consider this when you're looking at your window furnishings. And the other thing to remember is that not everything actually needs to be in the nursery. For example, if you have older kids uh, and then you have a bub or a toddler, you may actually find that the youngest bub is getting their nappy changed in the living space more often than in their nursery. And you may find that they're also taking daytime naps in the car whilst you juggle what you need to do for the older kids in terms of getting them to where they need to be, be it preschool or school. Now I know with our first uh, bub, I, I did a simple but actual, you know, properly decorated nursery. And by the time we had our third, we had temporarily moved out of the house that we were renovating at the time whilst we were restumping it. And our third bub slept in a porticot in the same room as us in the place that we were staying. And we just had one of those IKEA inflatable changing mats that we put on the floor. Now, nurseries are short term. And kids' bedrooms are long-term. So as much as you may want to nest when having a, a brand-new bub, just focus on creating space for the long-term and that will serve you much better. Lastly, let's move on to flow. Now, one big tip that I give homeowners is to remember that their kids are big, for longer than they're little. And most homeowners that I work with, they like their big kids actually being away from the master bedroom, even if they've in the early years prefer that they've had their babies or little kids closer to them. And this is where I think that being a design detective can be really useful. So paying attention to family homes of those who have kids at different ages to yours. You know, what works for them and why does it work for them? And what doesn't work for them and why doesn't it work for them? You know, often if you actually have conversations with this about your friends and and perhaps your um, siblings who've got kids of their own, you'll actually find that their why does or doesn't match your why and you can quickly sift and filter what will work for you. The main thing that I find is to consider for those year, early years is how a child might find you at nighttime. Now often homeowners want their kids on the same level as their bedroom so that their small children can find them at night without having to traverse any stairs. However in my experience you know kids they're usually in beds that they can't climb out of until they're at least two years old and sometimes later it just depends if you need their cot for the next bub. So Doing things like using plug-in nightlights or gates on stairs and those types of things, they can be temporary measures to manage this in those very short early years uh, to keep your little ones safe and not have them aimlessly wandering the house at night trying to find you if you do find that it works better for you to have bedrooms in different parts of the house or in different levels of the house. And that will be a great workaround to manage those early years and to actually be creating bedrooms that are going to serve you for the long term. So a big mistake that I see homeowners make when it comes to nurseries is that they actually get attached to the idea that all bedrooms need to be grouped together and they'll compromise the rest of the floor plan to achieve this. As I said I really want you to think long term about how you arrange bedrooms in your house and weigh up your priorities overall and I find I think that this will serve you better for many years to come. Now a big design tip for you is this, consider flexibility when designing nurseries. If you really want your bub nearby so that you can get to them quickly in the night, what you can do is actually create a space that's sufficient for a sleeping baby, which just honestly doesn't need to be huge, it can be tiny and that could be later fitted out as a study or as a walk-in robe or some type of space that's ancillary to your master bedroom. And if you're creating a dedicated bedroom for a child who is about to be born or who is little right now, create it for who they'll be in a few years' time with a full-size bed and think about what their bedroom's going to need size-wise and location-wise when they're older. And with that, we're going to move on to kids' bedrooms. So firstly looking at functionality. Now this is really where you need to think about what type of bedrooms you want to create for your kids and this will often come down to what type of parent you are because how big you need to make the room relates to how you see your child using it over the years and also what size bed you think that they'll have at any point. My personal recommendation is to generally allow a sufficiently sized room to fit a king single bed and a desk as well as uh, wardrobe storage. So a room that fits that arrangement of things will also fit a double bed with bedside tables. And interestingly, the average height of our kids is actually increasing with each generation. And I find that parents, particularly of teenage boys, are moving them into double beds quite early because they find that they're too tall for a single bed. Now, look, this is where personal choice comes into play because other parents tell me that the first double bed that their child will ever own will be the one that they personally buy for themselves when they move out of home. So this will really come down to what is going to be your personal choice as a parent and how you see your kids living in your home. Now, Another area, again, that's personal choice is thinking about desks in bedrooms. So older children will definitely need some privacy and quiet to study, particularly into high school uh, and even university if they're still at home. However, some clients that I work with are really adamant that all technology use and computer use will always be outside of bedrooms. So what they'll do is they'll actually create a shared study space for their kids that will be near their bedrooms, but will actually be outside it. So it can give them privacy and quiet away from the activities in the rest of the house, but can be easily supervised by the parents if need be. And I'm going to cover more about studies uh, in the next episode. Now storage in kids' bedrooms is super important and I spoke in the last episode about walk-in robes versus built-in robes in kids' bedrooms. I actually always recommend built-in robes for kid bedrooms because I think walk-in robes chew up valuable floor space and they're really challenging to keep organised in kids' rooms. So what else do we need to have a think about? Well, maybe there's a chair or a small lounge to sit on. Perhaps there's storage for toys and other items. You know, what else needs to go in there? And what do you feel comfortable having in your child's room? Let's move on to flexibility. So given that most kids will statistically stay at home until they're well into their 20s, flexibility is key in their bedrooms. I actually recommend that apart from the built-in robe, you generally don't build in a lot permanently into kids' bedrooms. Some homeowners like to build in desks, and I actually think that even that can be hard to manage long-term. Your home's actual architectural design might lend itself to a window seat or something similar, and that can be a lovely feature. But seriously, the more flexible you can make this space, the better. So let's move on to furnishability. So we've mentioned beds and desks and needing to consider the size of these that you may wish to cater for in kids' bedrooms. What else needs to go into the room? Again, this is about how comfortable you want your child to be in their room and some parents are very clear that they don't want their children being too comfortable in their bedrooms because then they'll never see them outside of them. So being a design detective here is really helpful, especially if you have very little children and you can't picture a life beyond a sea of plastic toys. Kids' bedrooms become spaces that they actually want to decorate themselves and establish ownership of. Now, also the same rules that I mentioned in the master bedrooms episode, they'll apply here as well. So if you want the room to feel spacious, make sure it can be furnished so that you can walk in on the foot of the bed and not on the head or the side of it. Let's move on to flow. Now, this extends on from what I said earlier about nurseries. So I do recommend that you locate kids' bedrooms away from the master bedroom. Even if they're on the same level, I think it's great to zone the home. So kids' bedrooms are at one end with their bathroom and the master bedroom is away in its own zone or at least has some separation. This will really help with privacy as kids grow older and both their privacy and your privacy. The consistent desire and element that I see in designing homes that suit families long term is this. As kids grow from little ones into adolescence and then into their teenage years, they really want more and more independence. And as they want more and more independence, they can get themselves into more tricky situations where we as their parents want to be able to support and supervise them where possible. So one big thing that I work with a lot of families to do is to create opportunities in the home where older kids feel that they have privacy from you. They're not necessarily locked away behind a door in their bedroom, but they're in the shared spaces of the home, be it a study nook near their bedrooms or a second living space. And these in-between spaces in your home It can give them independence from you whilst you feel that you can see and hear what's going on, which you can't always do if they're in their bedroom behind a closed door. Now what seems to be more important too is that they feel comfortable enough and that they have this independence and privacy so they bring their friends over and they can have conversations that you're not eavesdropping on but the benefit is that you can know who they're hanging out with, you can meet and see their friends, they'll be in your home and not out elsewhere and they'll still be able to get that sense of privacy and independence but they'll be under your roof So really consider this in how you plan and arrange your kids bedrooms in your house and that's one of the reasons why zoning works so well. Now one mistake that I see with kids bedrooms uh, is a safety one and one that many homeowners forget. So this is thinking about window openings and balconies on bedrooms where your kids bedrooms are on the second floor of your home. Now Many homeowners forget that often you'll have a kid's bedroom and there'll be a bed pushed up to one wall uh, and there's been way too many instances of accidents where windows have been open and kids have bounced on beds or crawled across beds and they've fallen out of a window from an upper floor. So put fixed screens on upper floor windows or choose a window type that lets you get good ventilation whilst managing the opening size of it, all right? And a louvered window is actually a really good choice here. I don't think it's great to do a sliding window and then only be able to open it 100mm. So if you know this up front and you design for it, then you can actually get a window that provides really good ventilation but is also providing a lot of safety for the room as well, particularly when your kids are younger, I've just seen kids wake up from daytime naps and though they'll not necessarily call out for you and if they're in their bedroom on an upper floor and their window has a big opening and they can push something across to it or anything like that it's just not it's great if you can avoid it even being an issue just in the way that you design the window opening and provide that security and safety for the child in that bedroom. Now, a design tip here is not to forget about sleepovers. So think about how you'll manage sleepovers in kids' bedrooms and a trundle bed can be a great solution having a little day bed is another one. Um, It can double as a lounge and a place to put toys and things like that, and then can be a bed when a friend wants to stay over. And if there's enough space to just put a mattress on the floor, that can really do as well. You know, whether you're allowing co-ed sleepovers when your kids are older, that'll be your parenting choice. But up till then, giving them the space to be able to have a friend to stay can be really quite simple. And it's just a case of actually having the floor space to put something Now, there's one extra piece of information that I want to provide here. It seems to be a foregone conclusion that every child will need a bedroom of their own. And there do come points in your children's lives where sharing rooms can be challenging, Uh, be it, say, you've got mixed genders of girl and boy siblings, or when there's a bigger age gap between two sisters or two brothers, and they meet sort of really different developmental milestones as they move through their childhood and into their teenage years. It is, however, possible, you know, if you're creating a compact home and space just doesn't seem to be giving you the opportunity to create an individual bedroom for each child, you can actually have kids sharing bedrooms and then you can create opportunities to give them their own space and privacy within that that room. It can be as simple as a folding screen that can be closed when required And this will mean that the room doesn't need to be as big as two rooms, but it can be split down the middle if the need calls for it. Now, let's move on to guest bedrooms. And this is for guests who may stay for a night or for a week. And then, of course, there's more permanent guests who may move in for longer term stays or even permanently. So, of course, the four F's are going to apply similarly. Functionality is really about choosing what type of guest space you'll create. And this comes down to your family and how you live. Can you see the need for a permanent and dedicated guest space? Or do you want something that fits into the rest of the house or is perhaps an added function to another room, such as a study space? This can be a hard decision to anticipate. And so if that's the case for you, look at your lifestyle honestly and your budget and your space constraints. You know, if you're renovating or building and you're adding a whole other room to your home to accommodate a guest uh, when they stay, It actually may seriously constrain the other spaces and rooms in your home, both financially and spatially. And when you actually assess it from that point of view, you can quickly prioritise how important the guest accommodation really is in your home. You also may find that if there's any chance of an elderly parent moving in down the track, that it's actually possible to add the space at that point. And this is especially true if you consider that now as part of your project design. So this leads me on to flexibility. If you're having guests on an ad hoc basis, it is perfectly reasonable to think carefully about whether you need to create a dedicated room for them at all. You know, most family homes that are created these days, they're big already. And if you've got guests only staying for, say, 10 nights a year, then a whole dedicated room can be overkill. So what can you do to make it sufficiently comfortable without worrying about this extra space that rarely gets used? Look, fold-out sofa beds, they've come a long way, so have inflatable mattresses. There's lots of other camping solutions that you can store folded away and pull out as required. If you're creating a dedicated study in your house, you know, size it so that you can have a sofa bed in there to fold out. Or you can even install a Murphy bed which folds out of a cupboard in that room. You know, these are great ways to future-proof your home for visiting guests. Another option is to look at how your kids could bunk in with each other to give over one of their bedrooms during a guest stay. You know, there's lots of options here. And it's really just a case of mapping out those options mentally. And then you can size the rooms that you are actually having to be flexible for these temporary functions as required. Now, let's move on to furnishability for guest rooms. So I've mentioned fold-out sofa beds. As I said, there's also Murphy beds. And, of course, if you're doing a permanent guest room, you may want to think about whether you're aiming a double or a queen-sized or a king-sized bed or two singles that get pushed together together. If you're creating a dedicated guest room because you host longer term guests, then you may want to provide a little extra space in there. Guests won't often need a lot of robe storage, but they may need somewhere to lay out their luggage and sometimes also a little seating area or a single comfy chair can be handy if you feel like your guests will need somewhere to escape and the space to be in that room away from the general family activity in the rest of the house. Now, flow is about, of course, where the guest accommodation might be located in your home. And guest spaces are best when they're actually sort of tucked away from the main activity and throng of the home. When we talk about more permanent guest rooms, here's my tips. Now, if you have any possibility of an elderly parent moving in, as I said earlier, then consider locating a guest space on the ground floor that can be used as a bedroom for them. And that will enable really easy access for them, particularly if their mobility is an issue. For now, you could actually create that as a study or as a home office, and you can put a sofa bed in there for when guests do come. And as I said, another alternative is the Murphy bed, which pulls out of a cupboard. They're really readily available these days, and they can fit into a variety of joinery solutions, depending on whether you want the bed only, or you want some robe space, or you want shelving space as well. Now, if you're providing a guest bedroom as a dedicated space, then consider which bathroom they'll use during their stay. Often I'll see homeowners with pools. They'll create a full bathroom on the ground floor of their home near a guest bedroom or near the study that has a fold-out sofa bed in it. And then the ground floor bathroom doubles as their powder room plus the shower and the toilet that the kids will use then from the pool area when they're outside in summertime. But when there's a guest staying, then the guest will get dedicated use of that bathroom. Now, if the guest room is going to be used by, say, an au pair or a live-in carer or nanny of some sort, you may prefer to give them more self-contained type of accommodation that actually enables them to directly access it from outside of the home as well. And some may take this a step further and add a kitchenette and also consider letting that space on Airbnb. Just always be sure to understand your council rules and your building regulations, though, before designing this type of accommodation into your home. Now mistakes that I see when it comes to guest rooms, the main mistake is that people actually create one when they don't really need it and they compromise the rest of their house as a result we can get really caught up in the shoulds and the musts and the what will people think. And I know I've done it. You feel you have to provide a certain level of accommodation and comfort for anyone coming to visit and that a mattress in the corner of your living room really isn't appropriate and that we have to apologise for it and we feel we need to give our guests better than that. But if you have friends and family who love you and who really just want to see you and hang out and you're providing them with free accommodation, trust me, they won't care. And if they do... If it's really a problem, then they can usually stay somewhere close by or you've got loads of other options. You know, you can pitch a tent in your backyard and pile all the kids in there and have a bit of fun. You can rent a caravan and park it on your driveway. You know, seriously, the work that we go to and that I see homeowners go to and the money that it costs to create a room or a space for guests that just gets occupied for such little time in the course of the home's life, it will take money and space away from the rooms that you actually will use on a daily basis in your home. Now, my design tip is, as I said earlier, if there's any chance of an elderly parent moving in down the track, then it is possible to add space at that point. And this will happen for a lot of homeowners and they'll find then that the elderly parent, perhaps one of their parents has passed away, the other parent Will move in with them and they'll sell the elderly parent, will sell their home, and then that money will go into renovating the house to be able to accommodate them. So, you know, things like that. If you know that this may be an option for you, then look at how you can design this into your renovation or new build now. You know, how could you look at adding on a room down the track? Would it be possible to add a granny flat into your back garden? What can you build in to have the flexibility to do this? down the track and future-proof your home. It's, you know, if it's not a big stretch to do it, it can actually be really a great option for your home anyway. And it can be either for elderly parents or to create some self-contained accommodation that you could actually then rent out for income earning or to improve your home's future saleability as well. Now we're done. <laughs> that was a, another chunky episode going through nurseries, uh, kids' bedrooms and guest bedrooms. Now these are all the secondary bedrooms of our homes and we got through a lot of information there. So I hope you found that super helpful. In the next episode, I'm going to be talking about studies and home offices, and we'll also look at study nooks as well. These are something that I'm seeing are critical in a family home, particularly with a lot of homeowners working from home in some way, shape or form as well. So I'll look forward to you then. See you. Thank you so much for joining me here at Get It Right with Undercover Architect. If you're wanting to learn more about how to design a home, I've actually created a special five-step e-guide to get you started. It's free and you can get your copy now. It's called How to Design a Home, Five Simple Steps to Getting It Right. And you can head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash home design to get your free copy emailed straight to your inbox. And I'll put that link in the show notes. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please head to iTunes and subscribe because that way then you'll be the first to know about new episodes and you'll also help others like you find out about this podcast. I'd really love it if you could leave a review too, please, because it'll tell iTunes to share this podcast with other homeowners like you. And if you have friends or family planning their future homes, please let them know about the podcast as well. Everyone who is renovating or building can then get support in getting it right. This has been Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect. Thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Looking forward to next time. Bye. Jackrabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.